Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. And I am your other host, Susan Fox. And with us is Brian Fitzpatrick, the award-winning author and screenwriter... And his new book that's just come out is Metcraft Disruption. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you so much for having me, Gene and Susan. It's been a minute. <laughs> yeah, it has. It, the last time you were with us, I think, was 2000. We were just talking about this on the yeah. pre-roll, uh, 2018. And yeah, your introducing first, Metcraft to the world. Your first book had just come out. Uh, for those listening... Uh, Tell us a little bit about the premise of Metcraft and where it all begins. Well, the world building for Metcraft begins with a secret society of people who have undergone a science experiment to um, telepathically control uh, nanotechnology that's within their DNA. They can summon it through their pores and shapeshift it into anything they can think of, anything that their skill allows objects, weapons, tools, anything like that. And the secret society in Los Angeles has waged war over the last couple of decades over the best use of this gift. And in the, into that world along comes uh, Jake London, our teenage singularity, who is the first ever born with the nanotech already embedded in his DNA. And everybody, all the warring factions want him because they feel his uniqueness will have a power or they suspect it will have a power that will change the tide of the war in their favor so the first book is pretty much all about jake and a couple of young metcraft agents getting him to the safe house of the phalanx faction which are framed as the good guys and it's all about uh, him outrunning uh strange cult leader obsessive cult leader sasha and her obsession to try and, and control and possess jake and of course through the book in the first book his powers his unique powers are unleashed and it does turn the tide but not in ways anybody expected yeah and the second one the second book uh things get nuts Ooh, it's so <laughs> yeah. much bigger and darker and scarier than even the first book showed us and there's a quite quite the body count <laughs> it's it's uh dangerous yeah i kind of went and the funny part is i went easier on the action so i could develop the characters more but by accident i ended up being a little darker and a little leaning into horror 
somewhat in some scenes. And uh, as I'm exposing the characters' flaws and their weaknesses and struggles, I, I tap into political secrets within the within the different factions and all kinds of stuff. It just went a lot more off the rails than I had intended, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ed, you have a certain amount of uh, pre-planning that goes on, and of course, you um, in our conversations. Uh, over time, I have learned that you are one of those meticulous planners. And uh, and still, the characters manage to surprise you. Yes, it's it's very true. I it's kind of, you know, people always ask, oh, "Are you a pan, you know, pantser or planner?" You know, do you have to, do you have to outline everything? And I do. I'm one of these guys if I don't outline from A to Z, I will get myself completely lost and off the off the track and never find my way back. I'll, I'll write myself into a corner. But I tend to always make sure to leave a little bit of flexibility for changes that come along. Um, certain things in the in the book too that I don't want to give away in disruption. Um, but those things didn't intend to happen in the beginning. Certain big events was like, oh. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't mean for that, but I'll I'll go with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh I guess it's one of those things where you 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 come to a place you come to the place in the book where something big and pivotal is supposed to happen because the characters have to be driven into this particular headspace and the thing that you were planning doesn't work as well as the thing that just presents itself uh, you know, at the moment. Exactly. And there are times when you get when you get to that moment or where you have this idea of how you think it's supposed to go and it's going to be great and you kind of write it out and it's not as impactful or high stakes as you had imagined it would be. So then you think, okay, do I up the stakes here and maybe piss off a lot of people (laughs) Uh or do I do I hold back and be more reserved and see how things develop? And I this one, I, I let myself take a lot more chances. You started out not to write a book. With you these, that is was correct. Going to write a movie. Yeah, you were going to write. This was going to be screenplays. It actually, you know, what? it was a screenplay. I, I had developed the idea years ago, and I was always been a screenwriter. I had never delved into novel writing at all. I've always written scripts, and I hadn't made the big sale. I, you know, the, the screenwriter's dream is to see your your product made, and it. Metcraft came to me and I, I had written it. I had read a, an article in a medical journal about the future of nanotechnology in fighting cancer in humans. And I thought, oh, well, what if I could make it sentient and connect it to a host and all that kind of stuff? But I wrote a screenplay and I started entering it into contests. And I for six contests, I had six uh, quarterfinalists. Mm. So I thought, oh, that's pretty good. That's not too bad. And I got I got meetings with with different uh, agents and production companies, and they all had kind of told me the same thing. Well, we really like it, but no one's going to take a chance on such a huge budget with an unknown property. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of running into the same brick wall everywhere I went with it. And then a good friend of mine in the business said, "Why don't you convert it to a novel and publish it and try and build a fan base that way? And if you build enough fan base, those same studios and agents will come to you." And I, at first, I was just so against it. I just spent years developing this script and doing all this work. I was like, no, there's no way I want to d- dive into that. But after banging my head against the wall and going through a bunch of denials, I had, had to admit he was right. 
and so I, I, I went on that journey. And it's, it's been a long, uh, it's been a long road, hasn't it? It's been, uh, it took you how long to get it converted from a screenplay into a, a novel? I mean, there's a lot more well, to a novel. Yes, in a lot and, of ways. and that's what, I, and I thought foolishly, thought, oh, it'll be easy. The screenplay can be my blueprint. I can just, you know, fill in some stuff and add some stuff and it'll be cakewalk. No, it was so difficult. <laughs> it, it was, I ended up, but I ended up falling in love with the process because all of a sudden I'm in, with the screenplay, you can only write what an audience can see. Mm-hmm. You can't get into their head. You can't, you know, divert away or anything. But as I'm writing the novel, all of a sudden I'm getting into Jake's heads and his thought and I'm getting into Sasha's character and, and what makes her tick and more stuff that an audience on screen can never, you know, relate to. And so I ended up loving it, but it did take me probably close to two years to make that conversion. Wow. And just because I would probably, cause I was dragging my feet, kicking and screaming, doing it the whole time. But once I did, I, I loved it. Well, there are writers who make a career of, of adapting, you know, TV and movies into books later, later after the fact. I mean, remembering the, uh, the, the Star Trek books by Dave, James Blish and uh, the, the the adaptations of the uh, Star Trek animated series by Alan Dean Foster, where they were much richer and deeper and into people's heads, as you say, than than they could ever show on screen. So, you know, that really justifies everything you're saying. It's so true. You've had uh, you've had a long trip, you know, to get these books to where they are. How are they doing now in terms of the popularity that you hope that they will attain? Well, I can tell you one thing, the uh, that Amazon has has the Metcraft series already set up in their system. Uh, looking at my Kindle, it just automatically filed it into Metcraft, all the all both books. Nice. Yeah, things sort of picked up steam. Uh, after the first book was published in 2018, and all the marketing was on me, and I, I did a lot. It really kind of a crash course, and I kind of exhausted myself on it for about 18 months. Um, and I realized it was not the book. That book alone was not going to generate the the fan base that I wanted or the readership I wanted because I want people to read this book. I want people to have this in their hands and and and, and hopefully enjoy. Um, what I'm creating, but with just one book, it wasn't getting the audience that I was hoping it would. And I'd always had it in mind to do a trilogy of screenplays, but I only had the one script. So I decided, okay, I need to write the other two books as, as novels, not screenplays. So I was starting from scratch. And when I made that decision, this was in the early part of 2020 when the pandemic was hitting and I was working from home and I was like, I have got a lot of extra time on my hands thanks to not driving to work. And so I wrote, um, Metcraft Disruption in about eight months. Wow. So it was a, it was a much faster. Wow. Ride and longer. Well, I guess a lot of that has to do with the fact that you didn't have as much, uh, basic world building to do. You already had your world established for the second book. True. And, most of the key characters were already introduced as well. So, uh, yeah, with the world building was, was mostly done from the first book and most of the key characters, uh, were established. I did add layers to the world 
nuances and some new characters that I, I hope play off pretty well mm-hmm. in the new book. How does but, it, uh, how does it work with, uh, with subplots and, uh, you know, counterpoint, uh, storylines, uh, when you're going from, uh, a screenplay to, uh, to a novel format? That's a really good question because I think in the screenplay, um, it's so, uh, analytical. I guess is the word. I mean, there's definitely a lot of artistry in the screenwriting, but it's very analytical. So my, my subplots were, were kind of almost in my mind bullet pointed out. Whereas in converting to a novel, I can be more nuanced with things and I could actually do better subtext. Um, but it became even more effective in the second book because I feel in the first book, um, it was very much like Star Wars A New Hope. It was it was part of the trilogy, but when it first came out, it was a standalone. We didn't know – at the end of Star Wars A New Hope, we didn't know if we were going to get any more. And I kind of wrote Metcraft with that in mind, whereas it ends and you it can be a standalone by itself. But now when I launched into book two, um, I was free to develop all new subplots, all new subtext, all new you know deeper deeper running rivers. I noticed and it was it was a friends, joy to write friends. that one. <laughs> yeah, I and I did notice that uh, Sasha became a much more complex character in the second book. Oh, thank you for noticing that. Yeah, I, I and a funny thing, I was worried because I'm I'm not to give away too much, but she's less uh, of a threat physically in the second one, but she's more conversational with Jake, and it's uh, I, I wanted to really have her trying to get in his head and, and mm-hmm. is he falling forward or isn't he kind of situation. She's much more of a wild card. Um, she's, she's the tipping point around which a lot of the, uh, a lot of the plot in the second book revolves. And the more confined she is, the more dangerous she becomes. Yeah. And I wanted to put it to where you're never quite sure if she is actually trying to help Jake or not. Has anybody here ever heard of the Joker? Hello. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, yeah, she was just a lot of fun to write in this one. She's such a fun character. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know if you guys saw my post before, but, um, about a year ago, uh, an industrial rock band from New Jersey reached out to me and said, Hey, we love your book. And we love Sasha. Would you be okay if we wrote a song about her? Wow! Awesome. I was like, I was like, what? Of course. Can can we and, get that song? Yeah, we play that and, stuff. We would totally play it. Oh, and in fast forward to February twelfth of this year, that song called "Tendril and Blade" is the opening song on their latest album, which is out on Cleopatra Records. They're a pretty good, pretty big band now. I'm really impressed with these wow. guys. Wow. That's the awesome. band is called Chemical Straightjacket. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And well, I was that's so honored and humble that they wanted to write a song based on my story. Well, and now, uh, and now that song is going to get airplay on Sci-Fi Radio. Unless it has too many boo-boo words, we'll have to check that. Um, there's like one. Oh, okay. we could ble- we could we could burble it. It's and it's one of the mild words. It's not even <laughs> it's uh-huh. not that bad. But I'll I'll send you guys the link and uh, you guys can judge for yourselves. Mm-hmm. Nope, got it. It's <laughs> Excellent, great. We'll buy it. Yep, we'll buy a copy because we're we don't we we're not pirates. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Mostly. 
Yeah, that's Excellent. awesome. What a great story. Yeah, that one was a nice big surprise and really motivated me to keep going with it. You know, I was like, that was that hit me up when I was just thinking about writing Disruption as a book. And once once they did that, and I and he was telling me about it, and the, and the energy the band had for this, I was like, you know, this is kind of really helping me get pumped up about continuing the series. And I started writing it from then. Do you have a title for the third book yet? I do. In fact, um, the third book is going to be released this year. It's going to be on November 4th. Ooh. And the book is called Metcraft Cataclysm. Ooh, okay. And the great story behind that is as I'm finishing Disruption in 2020, about about this time of year, I started reaching out to agents and publishers trying to look for somebody new. Um, my last publisher was great, but uh, I was just looking for a change. And I ended up hooking up with a new publisher, and they signed me not only for Disruption, but they wanted to re-release Metcraft on the, under their umbrella. Oh, and because I had that the rights make, back to it, so that I, makes sense. I happily did it. So yeah, so those two books found a home, and then in January they sent me a letter saying that they had a one more spot available for a November release because of some other error, and they said, "Do you have anything for us?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I, I Metcraft Cataclysm, but it's not written at all yet; it's just outlined." And they said, "Well, if you can get it to us." With a deadline of March first, we'll publish it. Oh, so they gave oh me a third book deal without even reading the book. But that wow. that gave me a little less than two months to write the entire third novel. Oh, that's that's heart stopping. So, like a yeah, I foolishly Absol- dove in head first. Absolutely, I had terrifying. some vacation time from work, so I took all of it. Uh-huh. And my family, who was super supportive just canceled any kind of plans we had and i just i wrote all day every day for weeks and we had enough time to do a rewrite and send it to my editor i have a i I hire an editor for every book and she got it back she did notes right away gave it back to me and i was able to get that final manuscript to them by march 1st wow and they loved it and agreed to publish it no problem wow that's amazing what's the name of the publisher uh, the publisher is Black Rose Writing. Ah, okay. Yeah, they do a lot of sci-fi, a lot of horror. Um, they're a little company out of Texas. They've been around about, I think, 11, 12 years now. Mm-hmm. About the same. And they're they're kind of in between indie and traditional. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are help, they are doing more for me than my previous publisher as far as marketing and getting involved in helping the book out, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy with them. Well, that's excellent. Yeah, it I'm, really... I'm perusing the website, blackrosewriting.com, and there's some other books there I'd like to read. Yeah, they have a they have a really good roster. In fact, that was one of the reasons I went to them, was I really liked their roster of people. And so when they chose me, I was very honored. Uh, I, was, I was very happy and very thankful to them. Well, they're lucky to have you. <laughs> Thank you. It's, so, yeah, it feels pretty good to have all three books in the trilogy out in the same year. Now, is there going to be more Metcraft beyond the trilogy, or is that going to be a very – am I going to look back on this and say, that was a stupid question? <laughs> there, there is a lot in the works. Um, in fact, in December, a, a short story based on one of the Metcraft characters was released in an anthology called Passageways. 
And that is a short story based on, if you recall, in the first book, the little underground fight club that Jake Ooh. ended up stumbling into and uh-huh. getting in the ring with this young Metcrafter girl who kicked his ass. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, she, yes, she kicked she his plays butt. a more dominant role in mm-hmm. Disruption as Sophie. This is Sophie's origin story. Ah. Ooh, okay. And it's it's a lot of fun, and it's a perfect fit uh, between the two books because mm-hmm. we get to know her and what how she ended up where she is and how does she get to be and basically an orphan in, in a underground Metcraft fight club. <laughs> and so I tell the tale. I noted that she was a really interesting character. And that, uh, yeah, her her backstory is is going to make a great book. It is. Uh, it is a lot. The short story is a lot of fun, and I may, I may someday expand on it even further. Uh, she plays a pretty dominant role. She comes in to more importance in disruption, but she plays a much more dominant role in the third book. That's cool. So, is your convention schedule starting to open up? I've been perusing the conventions and they're all still virtual. I haven't been able to look at anything uh, live yet. Lost Con. Which thanks- one? Lost Con Thanksgiving weekend. Just saying. Uh, I'm working on that one. Oh, well, there you go. I, I, That's one. Okay, I'll have to look into that. <laughs> we'll send you information later. Please do. Yeah, yeah this time around, I, I'm really interested in uh, being on a panel. I, I have enjoyed and learned so much from the panels I've, I've been at other conventions, and I would just be, if I could help out anybody in any way, I would love to be on a panel somewhere. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that they could accommodate you. Uh, you are a fascinating speaker. You know a lot about writing, and you have a lot of. Uh, you know, I, it's, you, you certainly know Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> when I heard he's in Texas and then suddenly this is set in L.A. and you clearly know the territory. <laughs> well, you know, I grew up um, I grew up in Orange County, uh, mostly Anaheim. In fact, I'm still in Anaheim. So it's, I, I'm very familiar. I used to go. I still go to L.A. and Hollywood all the time. I love those areas. It's just, uh, you know, I'm a teen, I was a teenager in the eighties, so we had all, Melrose Plate, Melrose Avenue was all that was all still really cool and oh, yeah. Sunset and Hollywood Boulevard, mm-hmm. Roxy, all those great places. Yeah, it's changed so much. It's a little quiet at the yeah. moment, but I think that's going to change soon. Yeah, I think summer's going to bring everybody back out. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, as as we get closer to the end of the year, I think we're going to see start seeing more and more in person conventions, and I I miss people. <laughs> I just I miss people. Well, I mean, I, miss I don't miss too friends. many people. Yeah. You know, San Diego Comic Con's got that thing that they called for also for Thanksgiving weekend, and man, that's going to be as what's going to be the family reunion, but it is going to be insane. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of. Kind of the same way. It was like, you know, the, being apart from people so much, I, I do miss uh, that in-person connection. You know, Zoom is great and got us through it, but I really am looking forward to just shaking hands with somebody, giving the people a hug, and just talking right there over coffee or whatever. We met at, uh, I think we met at San Diego Comic-Con uh, in 2000, I want to say 2017? You and me was uh, we met at uh, WonderCon in Anaheim. Wonder, WonderCon in Anaheim. That same, was it. Same and company, different you, locations. 
Hmm? I'm sorry? Same company, different location. True, true, true. And the, I saw you on a great panel about writing. And that's where we yeah, we first met. And, we, mm-hmm. and you gave me solid advice about keeping going and you know getting the work done and getting myself out there. And and I think a, a year later I came back and held up the book. Look at you <laughs> inspiring people, my sweetheart. Well, and it's uh, – it's, it's, I, I may have given you a – a, a word or two, but man, you have just, you have, uh, dove in, dove into the dark waters and come up with, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this analogy, <laughs> but <laughs> well, you, you, you came, you came back with the good stuff. That's, uh, you really put everything together. I, I was reading your description of the, the convoluted path that you had to follow in order to get as far as you have toward the goal of eventually uh, getting your screenplay sold. I, and uh, I'm just amazed at how well uh, you've been traveling this path and how expertly you've been executing each of the steps. Well, I really appreciate that. And there were, there was a lot of mistakes and frustration along the way. And it, and it still is, I still haven't sold it, but I've never ever given up on getting Metcraft onto a screen, whether it's a, a film franchise or a TV series, even. I That's, think TV series will give it the time and the, the detail in, that it deserves. You know, you've got to see some of this stuff up close. And, and every, you know what, every month that passes is they, they develop the CGI more and more to, to adequately, um, enflesh what you have written. You know what I mean? I do. I, I think you're right. As the technology gets easier and cheaper, it'll be easier to do shows like what, you know, special effects laden shows like this would be. And I do have things, uh, kind of going on that I'm, that I'm getting me closer, hopefully closer to getting a deal for a TV series. Oh, I hope so. Oh, I hope so. Because you've, you've sweated blood for this. You've earned it. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. It's, but it's, uh, it's, you know, and no matter how hard it gets, it's worthwhile. Everything has been worth it. Yeah, it's, it's like watching a fairy tale unfold, really. Yeah, but you know, the fairy, because fairy all, tales are not are not for sissies, okay? That's you know, for, you, that's have, true. you still have to fight through the, the the hedge of thorns and the dragons trying to kill you and eat you. Mm-hmm. you know? There's there's obstacles. And the princesses have to kiss a lot of frogs. Oh. Yes, <laughs> Never again, my darling. <laughs> Ribbit. <laughs> but you're my froggy. Uh, you two are too adorable. I know. It's revolting, isn't it? <laughs> I know. We we make God, ourselves turning sick into the Moira Rose of of science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let's see. It's Black Rose Writing mm-hmm. is the publisher, yes. and the books are available currently on Amazon. You can get them in paperback or Kindle form. And Metcraft, the original Metcraft, still has the audiobook up, which I'm super happy with. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, do, are we going to see a, a, an audiobook of of uh, this book and the one in November? 
Uh, you know, it looks that way. Black Rose Writing is really stepping up. They're the ones going to take on the lead on that. And they're auditioning uh, narrators, and they're going to present me hopefully soon with some, you know, who do I, who do I want choices. And uh, I'm so far they have done pretty much everything right that I, I've been very happy with them. So I trust that they're going to come at me with some great narrators. You know, we know narrators and voice actors. We should. Yeah, Submit being in the radio of, business. Too, yeah, you know. we've got a we've got a lot of contacts in that area. Yeah. You know, I know that they're always probably always looking out for you know f- uh, to add to their roster of people. You you might be worthwhile to reach out to them and kind of see. Hey, maybe what do you need? Can, maybe we can maybe we can uh, do some matchmaking. <laughs> there you go. Um, on the other hand, I've got this this goofy. Uh, Mental idea of of <clears throat> of Robert Patrick from uh, uh, the second uh, Terminator movie because he's the last guy we saw who had a lot of silver coming out of his mm. body. <laughs> yeah, he should be. He should read it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's so I swear, vi- I know visually it's it's very close. I mean, <laughs> the whole idea. I mean, funny thing is when I first created it, I did not make that connection at all. It was after the book was done, or I mean, actually the screenplay was done, and I chopped around, and I was kind of like, wait oh, a minute, no. this looks just like that. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, well, it, the the great thing is, though, that uh, when, when you finally do get it into a visual format, uh, that particular aspect of it will be fairly easy to do because it turns out that that was one of the earliest CGI effects that was combined with live action that was ever done is is the silver terminator effects. Yeah, but this the visuals on this are going to be so different. I well, yeah. Just put put it the, the yeah, they are. Out they of are. Head. Yeah, but but uh that orig- the original uh, silvery, you know, right. morphing metal thing that was one of the yeah, first visual effects there was in terms of computer animation. So this is and very – when that when that first came out, it blew our minds. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was very well-trodden ground at this point. So it should be – it'll be less of a challenge to get that done than you think, I, I believe. Yeah, so uh, I agree. Yeah, there's, there's less to worry about there. Uh, we have been talking with Brian Fitzpatrick, the author of the, the uh, book – Metcraft, Metcraft dis- destruction, disruption. Dis- <laughs> Let's okay. try that Let's again. Let's start over on that one. Shall <laughs> we, we have been talking to Brian Fitzpatrick, the author of Metcraft Disruption, and its predecessor Metcraft, with the upcoming book Metcraft Cataclysm. Cataclysm. No, cataclysm. That's cataclysm. The cows. The cows. The cows take over. I don't care if the cows hurt. I haven't said anything to be ashamed of. Welcome Let's to, try that again. Welcome to Dad Joke Hour on Saturday. <laughs> we have been talking to Brian Fitzpatrick, author of Mecca. I can't get through it now. <laughs> uh, Me- we have been speaking with Brian Fitzpatrick, the author of Metcraft Disruption and its previous book, Metcraft, and the author of the upcoming book. Look for it in November from Black, Black Rose, Rose Writing. Writing. Uh, and that will be Metcraft Cataclysm. Thank you for spending the time with us to talk to, uh, to talk to our audience about your books and your upcoming efforts. 
Well, thank you so much for having me. You guys are my favorite place to come when it comes to interviews. And if I could do one one plug. Sure, absolutely. I, we wish you would. Bla- we were going to ask. The uh, Black Rose Writing just informed me that they are going to put the Kindle versions of Metcraft and Metcraft Disruption on sale starting on the 17th uh, for one week of, of 99 cents for Metcraft and $1.99 for Metcraft Disruption. Wow, that's awesome. They are very, they're very good books. If you have not read these books, uh, we strongly recommend that you go out and get yourself a copy. It's exciting, thrilling stuff in, in, in the grand tradition. And there's a great blurb on the back cover of Disruption from a guy <laughs> named Gene Turnbow. How about that? Yes. I did review the book, didn't I? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Nice. And you gave me a very generous blurb for the back of the book, which they, for, I guess, room didn't use the whole thing but they use the essence yeah well you know they've got to they've got to trim it down so that it fits yeah so and that you have you can to have room it. for all the glowing yeah. true 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 <laughs> anyway thank you very much for joining us oh you guys are great thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it you have been listening to episode 217 of Sci-Fi.Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for May 15th, 2021. Our guest this evening has been Brian Fitzpatrick, author of the MechCraft science fiction series of novels. The second installment, MechCraft Disruption, is available now from Black Rose Writing on Amazon and wherever fine books are sold. This episode will air again on May 16th, 2021 at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow afternoon, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, uh, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our own website at sci-fi.radio as podcasts. Sci-fi.radio is listener-supported sci-fi geek culture radio, and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. We are asking you to visit patreon.com slash sci-fi radio and pledge $5 a month to help keep the station on the air. Give the gift of geek music to your friends by helping support the world's only full-time sci-fi fandom radio station. That's patreon.com slash sci-fi radio. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by sci-fi illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program is copyright 2021 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Sci-Fi.Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. <laughs>